You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you would, while we begin, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10. While you're finding that, if you would stand with me. John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse number 1. John chapter 10, verse number 1. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. And leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but they but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, Seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth, catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the freedom we have to meet together, to open your word, to preach from it, to sing about it, to pray to you openly. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to live in this country where we can do this freely. Lord, I pray that you help us not take it for granted. I pray that you bless the time we have here this morning, Lord. Help me as I speak. Uh, help me to put myself away. Help me to do what it is you would have me to do and say to point to you, to point to who you are and what you've done for us. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you may have heard that parable before. Uh, Jesus has talked about that and talking about being the shepherd and the good shepherd and we being the sheep. And the, the thing I want to focus on this morning is the, the verse where he talks about he knoweth his sheep's name and he calls them by name. And I'll just start with the preface of saying that the, the God that we serve, our God, the God that died on the cross for us to give us a way to heaven, to live forever with him, he's a personal God. He knows, he knows us personally. He's not some faraway king God sitting on a throne and we're all his subjects and must do his bidding and he has no connection with us. But our God is a personal God that wants to know us literally on a personal level. And knowing that is kind of the basis of where we're going to go here. And by that we'll say, you know, names. Names are great. You ever think about that? Names are good. It's a good thing we have names. Otherwise we'd have to like 
talk to each other by our descriptions, you know, or the color of our hair. And for some of us, that changes. Uh, for earlier than others, it goes from a darker color to a lighter color. Uh, some of us, we lose our hair. So it's really hard. Hey, bald guy. And 10 people are like, huh? Right? No, I'm not looking at any bald guys. I'm looking up. Uh, but God doesn't call us by our descriptions. He calls us by our names. He calls us by our names. And you think about us as humans, how important names are to us. Right? Uh, names, knowing, knowing names is great. Some, sometimes it's hard to remember names when you meet new people. And you go through, there's like six in the family. And you're like, all right, what's your name? And they're like, Bob, Joe, Susie, Billy, and Sally. And you're like, I already forgot the first guy's name. And I almost forgot the last ones already. And we have a hard time sometimes remembering names of new people. But names are important. And knowing names are important. If someone remembers your name that you met a week ago and they are like, hey, Chad, next week, you're like, wow, they remembered my name a whole week later? I never met him before. It's impressive. And, you know, to, to the person, it's like, wow, I must be special. I must be important. Like they care enough to remember my name. We feel it special when our name is remembered and known. We take it for granted with our family. You know, we name our kids, right? I remember the process of naming children, right? I have three children. And so my father's initials are C-A-V. My initials are C-A-V. And so naturally, I'm like, if we have a boy, his initials got to be C-A-V, right? And so it was a boy. We named him Carter. His middle name is the same as mine, and obviously our last name is the same. So we have three C-A-V names, and it was important while we're looking through the baby book of names, right? We, this was, it wasn't necessarily before the internet, but we used books. Um, and we went through the names, and we found all these names, and my wife was like, I do not want to name him Carter. Because you know what Carter means? One who drives a cart. Super deep, super spiritual, like just a lot of oomph and meaning behind the name Carter. He's a cart driver. So, you know, my wife was like, it should be more important than that, more special than that. But clearly I won that argument because his name is Carter. It's on the birth certificate. Okay. So names are important though. And going through our, our daughter's names and figuring out our names. And think about if you're married when you met your spouse. And this probably more applies to, to the ladies than the men. You would write, write his name on your notebook. Right. You'd put little hearts around it. If he had an I in his name, you dotted the I with a heart. Right. And when you wrote a note to him kids notes are we take paper and then we'd get this pen or pencil and we would write on it and we'd hand it to each other it's kind of like email or texting but it's like you can touch it it's it's you know it'll be in the museum someday um <laughs> but you would write a note to your to your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you know you would write their name and girls don't tell me you didn't do this you would write your first name next to his last name right you'd like write your name and his last name just to see what it looked like and you would be, you would kind of, I mean, I won't call it obsessed, but kind of obsessed over the name, his name, and you just, it meant so much to you. His name was just like butterflies in your stomach, right? If he called your name from across the hall, oh, you get all flustered. He said my name. I love the way he says my name. Guys, we're not so much that, you know, into that type of stuff. We do enjoy it. Don't, don't let anybody say, yeah, I didn't care. We like it when our girlfriends said our names. Right? And then you get married and it's, you don't, some, I don't know, maybe in your house, but we don't always call each other our names anymore. You know, it's like, honey, babe, ask your mom, you know, those types of things. Um, and we don't say their names as often because we know each other so well. But, but names are a big deal, right? Knowing a name means you're familiar with that person, right? You can call them by their first name. 
right? If you ever called your teacher by his first name or her first name in school, that was a big no-no. It's too familiar. Had to show the respect for Mr. or Miss so-and-so. But knowing a first name is familiarity. It's, it's comfortableness. It means you're comfortable with each other. It's, it, it is a big deal. And, you know, we live in this world today where we meet new people that come to church and we get to know each other here. You may not even know each other very well, but when you get on a first name basis and you can say hi to each other in the hallway, it just becomes, it's, it's a good familiar feeling. And as human beings, we, we like it when people know our names. You know, I mean, I don't want to elevate celebrities, but, you know, if we see a celebrity in the airport or, or at a gas station or something, which happens all the time in South Dakota, you know, tons of celebrities, we like, to, we like to get our picture taken with them, and if they know our, like if they ask us our name, wow, why would you care what my name is, right? Um, there's this website called Cameo where you can pay people money to send a message, a personalized message to anybody you want. And there's celebrities. Ket Herbeck was on there, so I figured we're close to Minnesota, the Twins. First baseman for the Minnesota Twins back when they were, well, they're pretty good this year, but back in my childhood when they won the World Series a couple times, Kent Herbeck. And I can, you can go on this website and pay Kent Herbeck like 100 bucks. And he'll do a FaceTime message to anybody you want and talk to their name. You give them a few pointers, a few details about the person. They'll say, hey, so-and-so, this guy, Chad, paid me some money to say hi to you. So hope you're having a good day. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever. And, you know, we're like, wow, what a racket, first of all. We, you know, how great just get paid money to give FaceTime messages. But two, they make lots of money doing that because people like people that are famous to know who you are. It's kind of a cool thing to hear your name said by someone famous. Wow, that's kind of neat. And we'll say, well, no, you know, and outwardly we'll say, well, famous people, they're no better than anyone else. And, but really inside we're, we're like, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, it doesn't matter what we think, it's kind of cool. So, and just a humble brag, and I, you know, hopefully you don't think that I'm a big deal, because I'm not. I'm not a big deal, not at all. But uh, there's someone famous that I asked, I didn't even pay him money. Uh, to send me a little just high message before church started to say hi to you uh, and that he knows me and just say hello so I hope you'll allow me just for the point of how we like people to know us play this message for you it's just a quick message brother Mike if you mind putting that up there Clearly real, clearly actually President Trump, on this, I mean, that was obviously him, right? Personally him, knows me personally, even said so. Um, so, you know, it's, it's huge, it's kind of huge. So, you know, obviously silly, funny little thing, doesn't know me. And, you know, I don't, I'm not doing that to elevate the president necessarily, just trying to make a point that we think it's kind of cool when people say our name, even if it's a weird floating mouth inside the actual mouth. <laughs> saying a name. Uh, the importance of names, it's, it's big. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to us as human beings. Uh, we, we like it when people know our names. It, it, brings, it gives us value. We find value and, and validation when people know our names. I mean, when I was in college, too, we'd get preachers, guest preachers to sign our Bibles, right? We like autographs. We, if you have a baseball at a baseball game, you try to get that baseball player to sign your, your baseball. We like 
names and it gives us validation, makes us feel important. And it's true, it does. And we can you know, minimize that and say that we shouldn't be doing stuff like that. And that might be true. But naturally, that is, we kind of lean that direction. And, and that's okay to understand that. And as we went through what Jesus was saying here about him being the good shepherd and understanding that we are his sheep and really understanding, like I said at the beginning, that God is a personal God, that he knows your name. Do we realize that? And, you know, God's a little bit bigger, infinitely bigger than any human being, any president, any celebrity, any athlete, any of us. God is way more important, way more holy, way more deserving of our adoration and desire to know than any human being ever will be on this earth or ever has been. And he knows your name, you specifically. He knows your name. Before you were born, he knew your name. Jeremiah talks about the Lord knowing you in the womb. He, he knows that for us as well. Before you're born, he knows your name. He knew what your parents were going to name you before your parents were born. God knows everything. But when you come into this earth and you, we live our daily lives here in 2022, you know, we can get busy with just life. We can get overwhelmed with life. We can feel down with life and no one cares about me. No one knows me. I'm going through all these struggles that maybe nobody knows. And you can get a little depressed and a little upset and a little down on how just kind of oppressive life can be. And as Christians, life is the same for us as it is for everybody else. But the good thing about that is we have, we have a God, the God, who knows our name. He's a personal God. Do you realize someday, think about this, and I, this is through my thought process again, this together, I thought about this. God will say your name audibly to you someday. Like, he'll say your name to you, specifically. And you know how when your, your significant other says your name, it's a little different than when your mom says your name when she's yelling at you from the basement, you know, come clean up your room. That's how moms sound, right? Johnny, come clean up your room. I had to do that because Brother John's out of town. I always have to use Johnny. But when mom says your name that way, it's like, ah, I'm in trouble. But when someone, that, and not that moms don't love you, but when someone loves you and wants to portray that love in that moment, says your name, like it's important, it's special. The God that created heaven and earth, Jesus that came to this earth and died for you, someday, audibly, you will hear his name in your ear. Do you realize that? He will talk to you. He will say your name. He knows your name, and he will communicate with you in that way. Can you, can you just think about and imagine the emotion, the feeling that you will have when the Lord of everything says your personal name to you and has a personal conversation with you? He's a personal God. He knows us. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. He gives us many examples throughout scripture where he wants to emphasize how much he knows us and he loves us. Matthew talks about knowing the numbers of your head, right? He knows how many there are. There are. He calls us the sons of God in, John, in 1 John. In Jeremiah, he's, he knew us before we were born. We read here in John about how he knows his sheep's name. In 2 Timothy, it talks about the Lord knows who are his now, here's the thing. God knows everybody's name, right? He knows everybody. Everyone, every human that's ever lived, he knows their name. He knows everything, right? It's not excluded to those that are born again. He knows them, but no one else. He knows everybody's name, but he also knows the names of those that are his. So if you're his, he knows your name, but you're also his, and that puts a little bit of extra specialness on your name to him. Those that have accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection... And in Revelation 21, it talks about those names, your name, if you've been saved, if you've accepted that gift of salvation, your name is written in a book. 
And it's in heaven right now, currently, and that book is being enlarged. I don't know how heaven paper works. I imagine heavenly paper is different than, than earthly paper. But that book continues to enlarge as new people get saved and their name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a real actual book that exists in heaven that God will read through one day. And if your name is in that book, then you are his and you belong to him and you are in heaven. You've accepted that gift of salvation, not because of anything you did, not because you were good enough to get God to write your name there, but because of what Jesus did for you and accepting that payment, your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. And for those people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, well, they get cast out. They get sent to the lake of fire with the devil and his angels to never be part of God ever again. Names are important. Names are a big deal. So when you understand that God himself knows you and he knows you by name, it should, in our everyday life, change your perspective on some things. And I, I think, I mean, I'll be transparent. I know I don't always think about that. I don't wake up in the morning and go, wow, God knows my name today. Usually it's like, oh, no, I'm a little bit late for work. Or what do I have to do today? All these, this list of things that I have to accomplish when I get to work. And then when I'm done with that, the things I have to accomplish when I get home, right? The things that have to be just life. And that becomes everything. It's like, oh, yeah, I better read my Bible. Oh, yeah, I better pray. I mean, we have a hard time with sometimes fitting that in our schedule, which is backwards, but we're not preaching about that this morning. We don't always think about the importance that God knows us. And we know that, right? If you've been saved for any amount of time, you know God knows you. It's, you're like, yeah, of course I know that. I believe that. But do you believe it? Like, really? Like, does it affect your life to know that God knows you? Because I think if we understood that he knows us by name, that we would put a little bit more importance on some things in our life. That we'd live our life a little bit differently. Right? If, if we had a, any celebrity or any president, whether you like him, agree with him or not, if he knew your name and wanted to talk to you on a daily basis just to check in with you, you would rearrange your schedule to allow that to happen. Right? Someone that you appreciated or someone that you admired and they wanted to contact you and talk to you on a daily basis, you would rearrange your schedule to make that happen. We don't do that with God. We don't. We, we fit it in. We find time if we can, and we don't understand that he loves us and knows us by name. A few things that would happen, it would bring us excitement. If we really believed it, and we understood that he knows us by name, it would bring us excitement. It'd bring you excitement on a daily basis. As you read his word, as you take your time for devotions, or whether you're just reading it to study something specific, as you read his words to you, right, that we have on earth, supernatural inspired words that God has preserved for us in the year 2022 if you understood that he knew your name and knows you that well when you read his words to you they take a different meaning it wouldn't be a checklist it wouldn't be get through my bible today to move on to the things I really have to do it would be this the author of this book knows me and he has something in for in here for me today that I need today that I can't live without today and that's how we would read it, because he knows our name. As you go to work, if you understood and lived in a way that God knows you by name, you would probably behave a little bit differently at work. Not to say that you're the, a terrible employee or employer without realizing that, but if you realize God knows you, he knows your name, he sees every task you do at work, every task you do at school, every task you do when you're out 
exercising, whatever the case may be. Everything you do, he knows you, he cares about you, he knows your name, he sees what you're doing, not to make sure and write all the sins down you do, but because he loves you and wants the best for you in your life today, you'd work differently because God knows your name. He knows your first name. He even knows your middle name, the one you won't tell anybody. He knows that name too, right? He knows your name. As you rear your kids, it would change the way you rear your kids if you understood God knows your name and God knows their name. God, yes, wants them to grow up. He wants them to learn all the things that they need to learn in school and all the character traits that we want to instill upon them. But God knows their name enough to know he's got something for them to do someday beyond us as parents. And if we understood God knows our name and he knows their name, we would do, I think, a better job at preparing them for the day that they're on their own and God is using them to do what God wants them to do. That's what we all want for our kids. We don't just want them to grow and be rich and famous and live a happy, healthy life. We want those things. Maybe not the rich, famous part, which would be good. But maybe not the famous part. Uh, but we want them to be healthy and well-adjusted and be happy. But who cares if they're happy and don't live for the Lord? God has something for them to do. Every single youth that's in here, whether they're sitting over here or throughout the auditorium, the kids that are back in junior church right now, he knows every single one of their names, and he has plans for them to do his will, to reach other people that we can't reach as their parents, as their teachers. Those kids will, re will have the potential to reach unsaved people that we'll never have that opportunity to do. And if we understood that when we raised our kids, when we taught in junior church, or when we teach Sunday school, or we just interact with them in the hallways, it would change our interactions. It would change our perspective because God knows their name and wants to use them. And we would rear our kids differently. It would ultimately, daily, it would change how we live our life. It really would. If we thought about that every day, that God knows my name, it would change our, how we live our life. Eternally, it brings excitement too. Go to, if you're still in John, go over to John 14. It's a couple pages over. John chapter 14, for, uh, verses 2 and 3. So understanding God knows us personally, he knows our name, that brings excitement eternally. Because in John 14, verse number 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. That sounds nice. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. So he's preparing a place for, for his people, the ones he knows. Verse 3 it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. God knows us and loves us and knows our name. He knows us so much that he's, he's in heaven preparing a place for his people, those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior. He's preparing a place for us to live. Because you realize when we die, we, we all go somewhere, right? It's not just that's the end of all things. There are two places you go. You go to heaven, you go to hell. Whether you believe it or not, that's what the Bible says. It's true. It doesn't change it if we think differently. That's what happens. And someday, when Jesus returns to this earth, whether that be in our lifetime or lifetimes in the future, he will come to this earth. This earth will be destroyed. The heaven that exists now will be destroyed, and he'll create a new heaven and a new earth where we will live forever with him. He will be our God. We will be his people, and we will live for eternity and our brains have a hard time grasping eternity, right? It's like infinity times infinity, right? That, that is just, it's forever. It never ends. That's where we will live. That is, that is our future. Our future is either eternity in heaven, infinity times infinity, or infinity times infinity in hell. Those are the options. 
And Jesus knows our name and knows us so well that he's preparing a place for us and someday he will come again and bring us with him. That, that brings excitement knowing that he knows us that much. He knows our name. It's so personal to him that he's, he's creating a place for us to live forever with him. That's a big deal. That's, that's a really big deal that he's doing that for us. I mean, think about if you bought a house for somebody, got it set up exactly the way they wanted it, and then you went and got them and brought, it to, brought them to this house, say it doesn't cost you anything, this is yours, it's everything you've ever wanted in a home, yours for the rest of your life. We would be like, yes, this is sweet. There's a bowling alley in my basement. I mean, I, that's, I would like to have a bowling alley in my basement. So this is my house we're talking about. There's a bowling alley in my basement. This is great. I would be so excited. And God is saying, the thing I'm creating for you may not have a bowling alley in this basement, but I'm there. That's how much he knows you. That's how much he cares about you. So when you understand that, that's exciting. That brings excitement, that brings that joy and that peace that really doesn't make sense in this world that we live in. But understanding God knows you personally brings that excitement. A couple of, something else that knowing God knows your name brings, it brings security. It brings security. Uh, daily security, security in your life today, it brings security uh, when it comes to fear. Fear for, I mean, the country we live in, the state of our political world, the state of our moral world. Um, there's, there's some fear there, some uncertainty, what the direction of our country is, what the direction of our state is, what the direction of our city is. There's fear that is there. And that's, that's natural when we look at where we live and that only. It brings fear and, and, and worry. It brings fear and worry for what our children are going to have to live through. Right? You think back 30 years when I was growing up, and, you know, things were, there were bad things then too. And then you look at today and you fast forward 30 more years when some of your grandkids are growing up or some of your great-grandkids are growing up. And you're like, man, what's the world going to be like when they're in their teenage years and 20s? Again, God tells us in his word, it doesn't get better, right? It waxes worse and worse. So it's, it's not a surprise to us that things are getting worse. They will continue to do so, right? This isn't, this isn't like, well, maybe if we just try real hard, we'll do better, and not to say we shouldn't do our best to live the way God would have us live and live like Jesus would live, but the world as a whole, society as a whole, is not going to improve. There might be points where it gets better, but it, ultimately it's going to get real bad. And we're not, we shouldn't be surprised by that. And so when we think about our kids, when we think about our great-grandkids or anything in our future, it, it can bring some worry. Think about the state our economy is in today. That can bring some fear and some stress if you have a business, if you have a 401k, uh, your future can be in jeopardy, and that creates stress and anxiety and worry. Uh, we could worry over our health, right? Have, have health issues that we don't have answers to, things that nobody know. No matter what happens, it doesn't get better. Or just health, and we're getting older, and you know, our health deteriorates as we get older. That's what happens, and that brings stress and worry. But understanding that God knows your name, even though we live through all those things, none of those things change because God knows your name. But what does change is that God knows your name. So even though things are tough, even though things are hard and scary, you can have security in knowing, well, God knows, and he knows my name, and he loves me so much. He knows how many hairs in my head. He cares when sparrows fall, and he cares more about me way more than sparrows. So even though tough times might come and I might have not, not have answers, God knows me. And he cares about me. And I can rest secure knowing that no matter what happens, God already knows. 
and he loves me and he's going to be there with me through it all. And we will go through tough times. You live any amount of time in life and there's hard times in life. But you get through them and God is there with you. And usually the tough times we go through are to learn something, to help somebody else somewhere down the line. When someone else goes through something similar to you, you can say, I went through that and here's how God helped me through it. I know he can help you through it too because he knows your name just like he knows my name. It gives us security knowing God knows our name daily when we go through tough times. It gives us eternal security. Go to back to John chapter 10. Continuing through the same passage here. It gives us security for eternity. Verse, drop down to verse number 24 of John chapter 10. Verse 24 says, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If, thee, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe me not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But, you believe, but ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep. And as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now that blew the Jews' mind in that moment. They were ready to kill him for claiming to be God. But spoiler alert, he is God. He was God then, he is God now. And the security he gives us, the follow-up on the good shepherd and knowing his sheep's name and they know him, he just continues that thought and says, you don't believe me because you don't believe me. So that means you're not my sheep. You don't belong to me. You can, and he wants them to, but they refuse to believe that he is who he says he is. And he goes on to explain that when you're my sheep, you're my sheep forever. So when you're saved, when you accept that gift that this Jesus that is saying these words died on the cross for your sins, he was buried and rose again and conquered death, and all you have to do is accept that gift to go to heaven. It's too simple, right? But that's what Jesus said he will do. And he's saying, when you do that, you become my sheep and you're mine forever. He goes, I know you, you know me, that never changes. He says, no man can pluck them out of my hand. And that, that includes ourselves. Last time I checked, we are all humans. That means we're part of the human race. So that means that even you, there's nothing you can personally do to pluck yourself out of God's hand. Once you're saved, eternally, forever, never-ending, infinity times infinity, you belong to him and you're in God's hand. So if you think you're bigger than God and you can do something to lose your salvation then you've just elevated yourself above God and even if you've done that that doesn't you know I could have Gemma my six-year-old could come in here and say that you know she could drive a car and say I will drive a car there's nothing you could do to stop me dad I know how to drive a car she doesn't doesn't matter what she says doesn't matter how she feels how convinced she is she could drive a car she might get in the car her feet will not reach the pedals one right? She's six. She's like, she's like that tall. Not sure. She's like that tall, right? She's tall for a six-year-old, but she's not driving anywhere. So she could have all this. I've, I've done something where I'm going to go drive a car and it doesn't matter how much you believe it, how much you think it, the truth just is you're not going to drive a car. Now we, I've talked to people who think that they can lose their salvation, that there's something that they could do to cause them to have the gift and the sacrifice that Jesus did be nullified. It doesn't matter what they think, doesn't matter what they say, doesn't matter how much they believe it, it, do, it isn't true. It doesn't make it true. Once you're saved, you're in God's hand and no, nothing can pluck you out. His hand is greater than any. 
And then he goes on, basically Jesus goes on to say, and then I have you in my hand and then my father also, and me and my father one. So really you've got Jesus, you're in Jesus' hand, and then God comes around and says, and you're also in mine. So if you can get through Jesus, you can get through God to pull yourself out because of something you did, you misunderstand the Bible. Because the Bible is very clear about eternally, once you're saved, you're always saved. There's nothing you or anyone or anything can do to pull that out. So because God knows your name, he loves you so much and cares about you so much that he knows you on a personal name basis that brings security in our daily life and it brings security for our eternal life. And when we don't have to fear and worry about what's going to happen to us in eternity, that really frees us up to do a lot here on this earth. And what that does is that brings purpose. So when you understand that God knows your name, personally knows your name and all these other things are true you're excited about it it changes the way you view life you have security about it there's nothing you have to fear it gives you purpose on with life on this earth it gives you daily purpose you realize that you you live your life for a king who knows you personally right we understand that someday god is going to establish his kingdom right for us on earth we will live in his kingdom he will be the ruler of everything, of, of all, and it will be set up the way he wanted it set up from the get-go. We will live there someday. That's the heaven, the new heaven and new earth we talked about. He is the ultimate king, and he knows you by name. No president knows you. No king in this earth knows you. Maybe you've written a letter to president, and you got a letter signed by the president. He didn't read it. He didn't write it. He probably signed his name at the bottom of the stamp. And that's as, that's as personal as any leader, world leader, will get to us anytime in our lifetimes. They don't know you. They don't care about us. But God, who knows every human being that ever lived, knows you just as well as he knows any of us. And we're living our life for a king that knows our name. So if we understand that time will come, right? The time will come where we will live in that kingdom and it'll be perfect and everything will be wonderful. Why would we want to start living our life for that king today? Why are we waiting for that moment? Why do we wait till after we die to start living for him? Why do we wait till after he returns to say, well, now I don't have a choice? Why we need to be living for him today because he knows our name. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and he knows you on a first name basis. A king who has made you part of his family. You're not just his subjects. We're not just his people. We, we belong to his family. We are heir to the kingdom. God says we are his heirs. We're heirs of Jesus Christ. I don't think often we, we realize what that, the importance of what that means. Because we don't live our life that way. We live our life like we, we'll figure it out. We'll do everything we got to do. We'll make it happen. And we live for us. It doesn't always mean it's bad, but the perspective is off. We need to live for him. The king of kings who's made us part of his family. When we understand he knows our name, we'll want to live for him. He, it's a, <laughs> it becomes hard words to get the words out. But when you understand, so this God, this king, the God that loves us, that died for us, that knows your name, he wants you to live for him, right? That means he wants you to, to surrender your will to his will. That doesn't mean your life's miserable. That doesn't mean you, all you do ever is read your Bible and pray and look like a monk. No, that's a distorted view of devotion. What God says is, I want you to live your life for me. And what he's going to do, he's going to say, and I'm going to make that life be the best life you can have. Like, you will be the most happy in your life, humanly speaking, if you live for me. We fight it. 
because we have carnal and sin and we still deal with that. But we fight that idea. For some reason, we think it's not the way it is. But God says, if you live for me, your life will be the happiest, the most fulfilling, the most peaceful life you can ever live on this earth if you live for me. And God says, and now here's the kicker. You don't even have to do it on your own. I will supernaturally help you live that life. God says, I will get involved in your life on a personal level because I know your name. I will get involved in your life on a personal level and I will help you do the things that I'm asking you to do because you can't do them on your own because you are sinful. He says, I know you're sinful. I know you can't do what you need to do. I know you need my help, but God says, I love you so much. I know you on a first name basis that I'm going to help you. I'm going to get involved personally in your life. I'm going to talk to you through my word. I'm going to answer your prayers. I'm going to guide and direct you. So all these things that this king wants us to do that knows our name, that's adopted us into his family, he says, I'll help you do all these things that I want you to do. And you know what? You'll do them way better than if you just tried to do them on your own. I mean, what's, how can we turn that deal down? It's illogical. It's stupid to say, no, no, God, I'll figure it out. I'll do what I want to do. I'll live my life for me. I know you know me. I know you care about me. I know you say my life will be happy, but I've probably got a better idea than that. We do it, we, and we think, well, that's just the young people, you know, the teenagers. We, we want them to give. No, that's us adults. We do it too. We do it all the time, and we pretend like we don't because we're adults. But we do. We're, we're stupid sometimes. I'm stupid sometimes. But God says, I will help you do all those things on this earth, here, right now. And it will be the best life you can live. So that's a daily purpose. He also gives us eternal purpose. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three. Drop down to verse number nine. So we have daily purpose, knowing he knows our name. We also have eternal purpose. How our life is lived here on this earth has eternal repercussions, even after salvation. Verse number nine says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, and this just means if any man lives his life in a way that it produces things, that it produces results. You talk to people, these are things that we accomplish in our life. Verse number 12, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. These are all results of how we live our life on this earth. The people we interact with, the eternal consequences or just the temporal consequences of, our, of how we live our life. Verse 13 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, mean proven. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so by fire. So what's being said here is that the, everything that we do on this earth has their, their consequences. There are results, right? We live our life, and we always say this, or you've heard this said, live your life for eternity, not for temporal things. Don't just live your life to, to earn money and get that nice house with bowling alley in the basement and the nice cars in the driveway and the nice clothes and all, all the food you can stuff into your refrigerator and live a life here on this earth that's just happy and fulfilling and there's nothing wrong with that per se but 
when it's all burned up, when the Lord comes back or you die, all that's gone. Yeah. Right? Your car rusts, doesn't matter how nice it is. Your house will be torn down in 100 years from now. I mean, how many 100-year-old houses are there out there? There are some, and they're like historical places. But most 100-year-old houses, they're gone. So add another 100 years. 200-year-old house, your house isn't going to be here anymore. It doesn't matter how, how awesome your bowling alley is. It's going to be destroyed, right, just on this time on earth. So if you invest everything you do as a Christian, you invest all your life into things that matter here on earth, you got it. That's awesome. And when it's all burnt up, you'll lose those things. You still say save. That doesn't change. But all those things, they kind of amount to nothing. You've enjoyed them here, and that's great, and that's it. But the thing is, is we don't just live here on this earth. As we mentioned already, we get to live for eternity, for infinity times infinity. So when we invest in God's kingdom, even here on this earth, those things last. That's the gold, the precious stones, right? Those are the things that when earth ends and Jesus comes back, they don't burn up in fire. They aren't the houses at the bowling alleys. They're, they're the souls that you invested in. They're the children that you reared to live for him. They're the, the people that came to church not knowing the Lord as their Savior, hear the gospel, change the way they feel about the Lord and, and repent from their sin and ask for forgiveness and salvation. Then they end up getting their name written in that book of life. That's the investments that God wants us to make. Because when you understand that God knows your name and the king that owns everything and rules over everything knows you and adopted you into his family, why would we want to invest in things that are gone? We don't, wouldn't it make sense to invest in things that last for eternity? The Bible says we'll have rewards for those things. And we think, well, it's the Bible. We can't have rewards. It's spiritual. We're not allowed to be happy and have good things. It's spiritual. We have to be, you know, just so mellow about it. No, God says, I'll reward you. If you invest in my kingdom, that brings positive things. Right? You invest here on this earth to get positive things. We're rewarded for your good decisions, your good investments, your work ethic. You're rewarded for those things temporarily. But when we invest in God's kingdom, God rewards us for those things eternally. And it's as a Christian that you understand. Again, it goes back to understanding that God knows your name. And when you live your life with that understanding and you don't just kind of ignore it or brush it off or forget about it, it changes what you invest in. It changes how you live your life. It changes who you invest your life into it's not just about me and get all the things I want it's about making sure my kids accept God and, and want God as their God and then any any Sunday school class I teach trying to invest in those lives to to have a personal relationship with the Lord and the kids and the people and just trying to invest in future eternal things with people that's the rewards that God gives us and again it goes back to God says and I'll help you do that he says you don't have to just Pull up your bootstraps and go make it happen and just, you know, do the best you can. God says, no, get me involved. I know you. I know your name. I want to help you. Let's go together. Laborers together. Verse number nine, we are laborers together, which means he's working with us. He's the best co-worker we could ever have because he does all the heavy lifting. You just have to obey. You just have to follow. And God goes, I'll make it all happen if you just go the direction I'm going. So when we understand that God knows our name. It brings excitement, it brings security, and it brings purpose. So how, how has your excitement, security, and purpose been this last week? Where, where has your investment been? As a Christian, as a born-again Christian that knows you're on your way to heaven, God is a personal God to you. 
And you would say, you, you know that, you would say, I, I believe that and I, I want God to be personal to me and I want to have personal relationship with him. But have you lived your life in a manner that you know he knows your name, that you understand it? Or is it just, yeah, I know it, but you know, I'm going to do my own thing. God knows your name. Like, that's a big deal. We establish that. God knows you. Do you live your life that way? Do you know him like he wants you to? Do you know him like he knows you? He wants you to know him that way. And for those of you that are here and maybe you've never heard of salvation, never heard of the gospel, never understood the, the concept that God views us as his sheep, as his people, and that he knows us, he knows who you are. He knows your name. And he wants your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is the, the list of people that have accepted Christ as their Savior, that have allowed him to take the penalty of their sin, because we all have a sin problem. Spoiler alert there too, right? Human nature, we have a sin problem, and that sin problem has to be dealt with. And the Bible tells us that the only real thing to deal with sin is that it's death. And that's not just physical death, but that's death forever in that place I called, mentioned earlier called hell. And if we try to deal with that sin problem on our own, we have to pay the price, and we can. We can deal with the sin problem on our own. The way to pay that price is to spend infinity times infinity in hell paying for that sin. Or you can take this Jesus we've been talking about who came to this earth, died on the cross to pay that penalty for you, and because he's God, he was buried and he rose again, which means he conquered that death. He paid that penalty, that infinite penalty we would have to pay in a finite amount of time because he's God. He paid for that penalty, and all you have to do is say, I understand that God did that, I repent of my sin, and I, I accept that gift of salvation. And when that moment happens... I don't know, God probably doesn't have pens, but God gets out just for, you know, human sake, gets out his pen and just like, all right, there goes that name, Lamb's Book of Life, eternally secure in the hand. All those things are taken care of in that moment. Probably before that moment you even say it, as it goes to your mind and your heart, God's like, get that pen out, write that name down. Because I got that name now in my book. And he is my sheep, she is my sheep, and I know them, and they know me. And that's how quickly that happens. So do you know him? He knows you. Do you know his salvation? And then do you live your life like you have a God that knows you, that knows you personally? Or do you live your life like there's a God out there and I guess I worship and go to church? There's a difference. There's a big difference. And I think we all could take time in our spiritual walk and our growth to make it a little bit more personal. So as I wrap up here this morning... If you've never had that moment where you had your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can do that today. And if you're like, why well, I don't know how to do that, you know, I don't know where to go, what to do, we have Bible, and this is where we get our instructions from. This is where we get the truth from. It's not, I thought of a good plan, or Brother, Brother Samuel made up a good idea, or even Pastor said, hey, this is the plan we follow. We just take what God says, and that's the plan we follow. And there are men and ladies here that can take God's word and show you what God's plan is for accepting him as your, as your savior. It's super simple. It's really easy because God wants all of us to be saved. He wants all our names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So if you don't know, we can show you today. We're going to have an invitation here in a few moments. We'll all stand. We'll bow our heads. We'll have a song being played. And when that happens, no one will be looking around. You can make your way to the front. And I'll find somebody to sit with you. And we'll discreetly and, and patiently show you what God has to say about it. And you can walk out here with God knowing your name before when he came in, but walking out with God having your name written in his book of life. It's a, it's a life-changing decision. It's a life-changing thing, and it's, 
the best decision you'll ever make. And for Christians, those of you that your name is written in that book, how are you living your life? From teenagers to adults, do you live your life like God knows you? I'm guessing there are days that we don't. There are days that we live our life for us, and that's human nature. But we can take time after hearing truth like this that we know, you know, it's nothing you've never heard before, but you can take the truth of this, come to the altar, tell the Lord you know you've not necessarily lived your life, lived your week, lived your day today, knowing that God knows you that way, but you want to, and you can make a change. And that's where an altar is important. It's a, it's a movement, it's a motion, it's a decision to make a, a change in something. You could do it at your pew, you can stand, you can think it in your head. You know, we all pray all the time without ceasing as we're driving, just thinking about praying. There's a difference between that and actually making a change. So I encourage you, if the Holy Spirit has talked to you, if, you've, if you feel impressed by the Lord, not the words that I've said, because my words are, are simple, but God's truth is powerful. So if it's impacted you, if it's made a difference, take Take time. Give God that honor and, and that notification that you hear him and make a change. All right, let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Brother Samuel sing and we'll have Miss Kath play the piano. The music will be played and uh, it's, it'll, be, it'll be up to you and God, between you and the Lord. Again, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior today, get that settled. It's a life-changing moment. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And it's super simple and super easy, but man, it has big implications. And Christian, if you're just struggling to understand that God knows your name, come down here. Tell him you understand. Let him deal with you. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.